we're here today with uh, Jeff Vanderstelt. Jeff is a uh, church planter and pastor at Soma Communities in Tacoma, Washington. And uh, he's also going to be one of the speakers at Exponential on the Verge Conference this year in April. Jeff, it's good to have you with us today. All right, well, uh, we'd love to hear some of your story and uh, and how you got to Tacoma and, and how Soma got started. We're just hear, um, always hearing great things about what's going on there in Tacoma. Well, thanks. Well, basically, the, the story goes that I, I spent 14 years in youth ministry and continued to train and equip students for ministry that oftentimes they would graduate into uh, more of an observer mode in the church and tend to sit and watch as others did or ran church for them while they kind of lived as an observer and very rarely as as, a, as much of a participant as they had probably been doing earlier. And uh, that, that only, for me, heightened the awareness that a lot of people in the church in some ways um, tend to sit on the sidelines and watch others do it instead of being the church on mission together which led to a conviction that we need to start planting some churches, which would get people back on the, on the playing field of mission and ministry in the everyday, which uh, for us led us back to the Northwest. That's where my wife's from. It's where I started kind of cutting my teeth in ministry in the earlier days. So we went back to that area knowing there was a big need for church planting in the Northwest and uh, spent the last seven years calling a core and equipping and training them to lead missional communities. That's actually how Soma got started. Uh, we, we started by calling uh, a few people that were believers to join us in everyday mission, uh, just you know, having parties, hanging out with people, getting to know people, caring for our neighborhood, getting involved in the context around us through serving, and, and God blessed us with some conversions and the privilege to equip them to start doing ministry as well. And probably for the first nine months, of our existence of calling a core, we just spent most of our time training and equipping a leadership core to start their own missional communities out of their own homes. And so it was probably it was six years ago this last September that we formally launched uh, SOMA. And for us, that meant uh, commissioning four different missional communities to start. We gathered together regularly for training and equipping, but we wanted to see the majority of their life as church in mission in the everyday all week long together. So that was six years ago this last September, and the intent was for them to make disciples who would then be equipped to make disciples, to raise up leaders who would be sent out to start new missionary works, uh, which would become new missional communities, and then as a result of that, some new churches get started. And we started with, like I said, four, and have been able to just keep multiplying, uh, just somewhere around 60, I think, in the greater Puget Sound area now where we live, and um, and many of those now gather together in, in as a church as well, uh, underneath the leaders that are operating as elders and pastors over them. But that, that's been about, that was six years ago that we launched them, seven years total of work, and been very encouraged to see God keep multiplying it, and, and we have the privilege of being able to see it happen in other states now, too, as we're working in other cities. So you started with a core of four missional communities uh, just six years ago, and you've seen that multiply into how many? I think we've got around 60 right now, though I, I'm not sure if it's more than that. I know that in a few weeks we're going to be uh, commissioning a whole bunch, all our missional communities. We do that once a year, and um, 
I haven't heard the final number yet because we're, we've got a whole bunch of people that are trained and getting ready to start new ones. So I don't know what the final number will be, but it's, right now I think it's around 60. Our hope was to have uh, that be probably around 100 uh, within the next few months. Man, that's great. That's uh, that's so encouraging to hear, especially that, that you started kind of with the DNA of ordinary people in mission, being the church together, and that multiplying itself out over time. That's amazing to see. I, I can imagine there's probably some, some things that, you know, really you felt were great successes in the last six years, and there's probably some things you felt were real struggles as well. Start with the successes. What were some of the successes you felt like you've had? <laughs> Let's start with the good news. And, uh, That's right. <laughs> and, uh, what were, what were some of the successes you feel like, um, you know, you and the leadership and Soma have had over the last six years? I'd say one of the first successes that we had really came out of a failure, though. Uh, so we, when we first started, we were doing, working really hard to motivate people towards mission. And what we realized is we were really good motivators, and I was a pretty good vision caster. And so people jumped on the back bandwagon and, and really put their all into it. But we didn't, we didn't do a good job of motivating from a gospel center. And what I mean by that is <laughs> really letting their motivation come primarily out of their love and gratitude for what Christ has done and letting their work come from a place of already knowing who they were in Christ so they didn't have to gain an identity through their hard work and ministry, but it was already granted to them because of the work Christ did on the cross through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. And so we, we saw a lot of burnout and, and uh, I think a lot of disillusionment because I think people were putting themselves into mission to in a sense, get an identity or to get a sense of accolade or acceptance or significance. And, and of course, no human can give anybody enough of that. So eventually they get disillusioned and burnt out. And God was gracious to us early on to show us that we had needed to lead from a better place, which was really getting people grounded well in the gospel. And then this was the key, helping them really understand their identity in Christ, letting their identity be uh, the thing that then... Uh, drives how they live, so they know they're children of God, loved by God, accepted by God, they need nothing to earn anymore because they got it on Christ. And knowing that they believe they've been saved for a purpose, which was intended for why God saved them in the first place, then it was no longer a matter of us trying to motivate them to be missionaries, but rather saying, you already are God's people, and therefore you're God's missionary people, and then saying, now how would you live if that were true? That, that shifted significantly everything for us. And I think once we, we help people understand the gospel, really understand their new identity in Christ, and then we identified what are common rhythms for everyday life, if they were to live them with gospel intentionality, how would they live differently? When we figured those three things out and led in those three ways, it, it freed our people up. In fact, almost everybody said it felt like a big release because now it wasn't, they come work hard on the programs or get really, really busy or, you know, spend more time on mission. It was live out your identity in Christ in everyday ways. So we're not asking you to add a whole lot. We're just asking you to take what you already do today and now do it with gospel intentionality with a group of people on mission. When that happened, that's when everything really, I think, opened up for us. We saw much more effective ministry, we saw much healthier people, and we saw multiplication of groups start to take place even more significantly than ever before. I'd say that was a big win. Once we got those three things down, what is the gospel, power, purpose, in terms of you've been saved for a purpose, who are you in Christ, and then how do you live this out in everyday rhythms of life? 
getting that stuff, training people in it, grounding them in it, it pretty much shifted and changed the whole culture of our church. Felt like we were motivating from external motivation, and then we got back to an internal gospel, gospel identity motivation, and the real handles of like in the everyday life. And once we got that, I think our people felt much more capable to just engage it in everyday ways. Yeah, that's great. Could you give an example of um, an example of how some you know the light bulb came on for someone and it changed the way they looked at themselves and looked at God and looked at their mission? Yeah, uh, probably one of the best stories for me was uh, we had we have an artist. His name is Aaron Spiro, a very very talented musician, had recorded it with a pretty big label and really felt called to get back into the church and leading in the church. And so as he started leading music trying to help him understand how to live on mission in the everyday was a challenge for him because he kind of swung the pendulum real far. So it was either, um, you know, we can't do anything programmed or anything that has any structure or planning, and so therefore he almost did nothing, or it's all programmed and structure and planning, and so then it felt like just a program and event for him. So helping him to say, to say, hey, what would it look like if you gather some artists around you and you were to say, if we believe in Jesus and what he's accomplished for us, then that makes us children of God. What if we lived together as family, love one another as brothers and sisters? And what if we saw that God had given us our talents and abilities because he wants us to be missionaries to the arts in our city? What would it look like to, to bring the gospel in tangible ways to bear on the life of the arts community in our city? Well, I, I think it, it really unlocked him because he didn't have to think programmatically anymore. He started thinking, well, what, what, what would we do if we loved one another like family? What, we eat together, we party together, we hang out together. What if we treated artists in our community that way, too? And so they began to start having house parties for traveling bands that would come through. They would, when a band would play at a club, they'd go and they'd kind of load the equipment in, load them out, provide food, just serve them. And let them stay in their homes while they were there, love them like a family. And, and then at the same time, they said, well, if we were missionaries, we'd want to share the gospel. How are we going to do that? And they just basically took the redemptive historical narrative of Genesis to Revelation uh, and God's redemptive plan of, of bringing uh, salvation through Christ, and they just took week after week and told a story, one of the stories starting in Genesis, moving out of the way through the Bible, and trained artists to write music. So they basically our artists want to become better songwriters. Let's bring them together. We'll have a meal. Uh, we're already partying together, hanging out together, doing house shows. Now let's just go through one of the stories each week with those who are interested in writing music, and we'll train them how to write songs in in light of the story. So it might be the creation story, the fall story, and then the artists would go away for a week, write their music, come back, perform the songs for each other, help them develop their art, and at the same time they're going through the redemptive plan of God while they're writing music. So they would become better songwriters. They started showcasing their songs in the clubs once a week in Tacoma or once a month in Tacoma. So that these people are getting to be exposed to the story, they're bringing it out in context, and they just started building a life around what would it look like to live in in rhythm with the gospel on mission to the arts community. Well, that thing, I mean, they saw, they've seen people come to Christ, they've seen that thing grow, it started with just a small handful, now it's 40 or 50, they're, they don't have enough people to even lead anymore, they're raising up new leaders, and uh, they just recently released an album called The Story, where all these artists who wrote music in light of the story recorded together, uh, and they, they probably wrote about 50 songs, but they put 12 of them on the CD. And so they went from seeing ministry as program to seeing mission as life, and 
and they were able to do it around what God had already given them, which is their talents and their abilities and their relational connections. And instead of putting on a bunch of events, they just said, hey, we already get together and love listening to music. Let's do that together. We already eat. Let's just eat together. And we already go to shows. Let's just do it more intentionally. And um, God's really been gracious in blessing that mission. That's, that's one that I think connects with a lot of people who are in church because in, in present-day situations, most people have a band or worship teams and so they can connect the dots to doing something on Sunday intentionally with music, but they don't necessarily connect the dots all the time. So how would they make that work through Monday and through Saturday in the cities they live in? Yeah. So that, that was a great way to help an artist get out on mission. Yeah, that's great. You know, one of the, one of the questions that we get is is what is a missional community? That's one of the foundational questions I know you get, um, and we want to address at the conference as well. Um, in your in your definition, what is a missional community? Yeah, we have a real short phrase for it, and then I'll expand it. We basically say it's a family of missionary servants uh, who make disciples who make disciples. And um, <clears throat> what we mean by that is it's a group of people who are saying we're going to live life together like brothers and sisters in Christ, loving one another as the family of God would, because Jesus said that's the best, that's the best apologetic we've got, uh, that it would, they would know where his disciples are by our love for one another. So it's a family of missionary servants, a missionary, meaning now it's a group of people who love one another as family, but radically reorient their lives for the sake of reaching a particular people or place. So, uh, uh, we don't, we don't make um, like a geographic region the goal. We make the people in the geographic region, if someone's going to identify a geographic region as a context for mission. Or it may be, like I said, a, a people group, like artists, or you, know, you could go variety of things. But it's basically people and people place together. And, it's just, and we really want it to be a pocket where there, there is a lack of gospel witness, where I mean, we're not asking them to go reach a bunch of church people that already know Jesus. We're asking them to go and find a place where there are people who don't know Jesus. That could be your neighborhood. That could be a school. It could be, again, like the artist community. It could be homeless people, whatever it may be. So it's a family of missionary, and that missionary thing is you have a context that you believe God's sending you together, and you're going to reorient your lives to reach those people. It means your budget, your time, your schedule, everything. And then it's missionary servants, and the servant identity for us is that this is the way you're going to bring tangible expression of the kingdom of God to bear in that place. So not only are you going to love one another, and not only are you going to be ready to share Jesus, but you're going to live in such a way that it demands a gospel explanation. You're going to show what the rule and reign of Christ looks like in everyday life as you serve others. So if he's your king, go and serve others as you would serve Jesus so you can show the world what the kingdom of God looks like breaking into your life, so that they can know the good news of the kingdom breaking into their context, and then you can proclaim it as a missionary so they can come to know Jesus is the reason why your lives are lived differently in this particular place. So it's those three key things, that family, missionary, servant, and all of that, they're disciples. So they're saying, how do we grow in Christ? How do we call others to Christ? Um, so that we're presenting everyone mature in Christ. So now uh, that basically, it's those three things, a family of missionary servants, uh, and in, in that case, sent to a particular people place, people in place together to make disciples who make disciples. So now what, uh, what makes that, uh, in, in your mind, what makes that different from, like, say, a, sm a, a small group or a, yeah. um, a Bible study? Well, 
church when most people, I mean, it is a small group in the sense that it's small. Um, you know, we're not talking about a large, you know, 30, 40, 50 people, though they tend to grow and then we want to multiply and start new ones. But most often in my experience of a small group for most churches has been, that's a place where Christians come together to care for one another primarily, or like if it's a Bible study, primarily to study the Bible together and grow in their knowledge of the Word. And we think both of those are real important, but we don't think they're, they're sufficient enough. So we want people to come together and care for one another and know the Word, but we believe the best context for growing people up as disciples is the mission of God. So if, if they're not redirecting their lives radically for a mission, then probably the stuff that the Scriptures need to address in their life and the gospel needs to give power to enable you to, to live, will never come to the surface. You know, like, oftentimes in a small group, it's a couple hours a week, come together, care for one another, maybe study the Bible. We're saying, no, this is a life you live together all week long. But we gather minimally once or twice a week, but you should be crossing each other's lives a lot more than that. And your life is not just about loving one another, it's also about giving yourselves away to reach the lost that God sent you to. Yeah, that's great, man. It, it sounds like that really shifts your role and your job description from someone who directs programs to more of an equipper, a leader developer. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that shift has happened or or how that works out in your context. Yeah, that, that's a great question. I'm just uh, visiting some old churches I used to serve at and being reminded of all the work I had to do to lead programs. and. And, and our, our particular situation, we don't really lead programs other than our gathering on Sunday where people come together regularly. But for the most part, the majority of our energy goes into training up and equipping leaders. Uh, all of our paid pastoral staff are all full-time equippers of leaders. And so the majority of program, if you want to define program as people, resources, and time coming together to accomplish something, that happens largely through our mission communities doing what they think is best in the mission they live in. So we don't have to program as such as much as we have to train and equip people to think through gospel ministry in context. So in a lot of ways, the majority of our energy goes to training up leaders who then develop others to do ministry. Uh, what's pretty cool about that is that in some ways, every one of us as pastors is on the front line of leadership development, but we all can specialize as we've grown, in our area that we're, that God's gifted us in. So for me, I'm more strategic and a visionary and um, love to see gospel-centered work done at the, uh, in, in the context that people live in. So I'm brought in to do a lot of training and equipping of our leaders to think through strategy for multiplication and reaching a people group and saturating people in the gospel. And someone else can come in and do training on pastoral care instead of our our pastor who's really good at pastoral care doing all the counseling and care for our whole church, he's training all of our missional community leaders to be pastors and to do pastoral care in the missional community. So that way there's a much higher touch of pastoral care happening in our church. And the guy who's best at it in our church is giving himself to train leaders instead of to do it all for the church. And every one of our positions works that way. We all are giving ourselves to training up people in the area that we specialize in. That way, every mission community can have a, a pretty strong emphasis in all the areas because we're training them to do it instead of them always needing to send their people to one of our pastors to do it for them. Well, Jeff, I know we could spend the next hour or two just talking shop and 
Uh, I'm excited that you're going to be speaking at, uh, at Exponential in April, and we look forward to having you there and learning from what you guys are doing at Selma. Thanks, Stu. Looking forward to, to being with you. All right. See you, buddy. All right. See you then.